Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. watching and joining us. Thank you so much for tuning in to Foundation Church, whether that is on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. We are glad you are with us on this Palm Sunday. Everybody get your palm branches out and start waving it. Um, But really, I want to thank, we have a whole bunch of people watching all over from different parts of the U.S. So I want to welcome people, uh, especially certain people that are watching in Dallas, Texas, the Halls Group. I know we've got some people watching in in Charlotte, North Carolina. We've got people watching from New York. We've got people from watching uh, in L.A., Wichita Falls, Texas. I'm trying to make sure I don't miss any of these places. But, man, we've got all these people watching, everybody watching in the Tulsa metro area. And so thank you so much for taking time out. And it's really cool to see that really we're starting to understand the church is way much, way more big than just a building. It's way more powerful than that. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Um, you probably have figured out, as well as I, that next week we are not more than likely, pretty much, not going to be able to meet in person for Easter. But we have some really big plans for that. Um, We are going to ask for you to share your pictures online, get your family, take a picture, show us what you're wearing. Some of you, it's going to be the first time you get to wear your PJs to Easter. How awesome is that? Some of you are going to want to dress up. You can still do your Easter egg hunts. Flood us with your pictures. We would love to see them. You can send it to this link that's below, um, and we would love to have your pictures and love just to interact with you on Easter Sunday and do this for us. Man, the next week, Easter Sunday, people will watch if you just invite. So I want to challenge you, Foundation Church, to text somebody to watch with you. Invite somebody to watch with you on Facebook. Um, Tag somebody. But man, let's be found people that are finding people and still growing and still seeing lives being changed because that's what it's all about. And so invite somebody to watch Easter next week. It's going to be an incredible message as we talk about Ain't No Grave, and it's going to be a very creative service, so do not miss it. It's not like you can go anywhere anyways, or you have anything to do, so tune in and invite somebody to tune in with you as well. Um, Today at the end of this service, I want to let you know we're going to be taking communion together as a church body. So um, I'm going to let you know now, mom and dad, if you need to go get crackers, you can use goldfish, you can use Chex Mix, you can use Wonder Bread, whatever you want to do, grape juice, what, whatever it needs to be, but we're gonna, I'm going to lead you in taking communion as a family and as our church family right there at your house. Um, and I really think it's going to be a great moment for us to really remember the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross for you and for me. And what a great time um, with, with what we're surrounded by and the uncertainty to remember the price that Jesus paid on a cross for me. And today, that's what I want to talk about today. Um, We are concluding our series that we've been in for six weeks. We're hardly ever in series that long called When Pigs Fly. And I want to talk to you about the miracles 
of the cross, the miracle of the cross, lessons that the cross teaches us. And, and if there's one thing that um, I have noticed just getting older is that a lot of times phrases change as you keep living. Um, phrases change their meaning as you continue to live out. What a phrase used to mean is not what it means now. In fact, for all of you that used to use the phrase, hey, let's hook up sometime, and you're talking, I'm talking about, hey, let's get together, let's meet up, let's do something. Um, that is not what let's hook up sometime means any longer. So if you don't understand what that phrase means, you need to pause this video and call somebody a lot younger than you and get the information on that. But um, there was, I started researching um, different symbols that um, mean one thing maybe in our culture and mean another thing. And so couldn't be more appropriate time to talk about college football. Um, we all love college football. And I think this point is really going to bring all the OU and OSU fans together for once, for once. Um, and so this is for one of my good friends, Juan Herrera, watching in Wichita Falls, my, my Mexican brother, right at you right now this morning. Um, TU football, or UT football, excuse me, the University of Texas football. Can't stand them, don't like them, never liked them, never have. Burn orange makes me puke, right? And so, um, but the signal for the University of Texas is this, and this is the first time, the only time you will see me do this and somebody's making a meme and I hate you right now. And we'll work through that on a later Sunday. But um, this symbol right there, in the University of Texas, it means it represents the university. It represents the Longhorns, right? It's school pride. It's about their athletics. It's about, I couldn't do it anymore and preach about Jesus. Um, you know, it, it's one of these things that alumni put up and, and fans that maybe may, didn't even go to school put up. It, it is their symbol for hook them. You know, and if you go to University of Oklahoma, you do this whether the Big 12 wants you to or not. And so, um, but this symbol right here, um, garnered a lot of worldwide attention not too long ago when the Bushes were in the White House. One of their daughters was in Europe, and when she got off the plane, she flew a hook'em hook sign, hook'em symbol, um, while she was getting off a plane in Europe, and I believe it was in Norway, and it threw all of Norway into confusion. Because in a lot of part of Europe, this signal, the hook'em signal, symbolizes and is a sign for Satanism. Um, and so all of, a ton of Europe is like, are the bushes satanic? Are, you know, are they worshiping Satan? Here's the even better part, um, that in a lot of parts of Italy, Brazil, and Colombia, this sign, the hook'em sign, means that your wife is a hoe or that she sleeps around a lot. Um, so, so here's, this means one thing here, but what I've kind of come to understand is it pretty much means the same thing. What it means in Europe, it means in the U.S. pretty much is what we need to understand. So don't ever do this again. Um, it's just a bad sign. This is appropriate, this not so much. Um, but the reason I'm talking about this is symbols here and symbols in time many times change their meanings. And that couldn't be more so true than when it comes to the symbol of the cross. As we talk about Palm Sunday and we come into Holy Week, we take time, hopefully, to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. As we'll have a Good Friday service this coming week, we're going to take time to look at the sacrifice that Jesus made and what the cross stood for.
in Jesus' time, it stood for, man, punishment. It stood for death, torture. It was, you, you were hung on a cross, and it represented being a criminal, being a thug. That, that's what the cross represented. Uh, but, but now we know for cr- the cross, we have cross necklaces. We have crosses on our shirts. We have cross tattoos. Why? Because it symbolizes our faith. It, it points to a man, a Savior named Jesus Christ. It points to love. It points to forgiveness. And what, what, what the cross symbol used to represent is no longer what it represents now. And I want us to take time this morning just to focus on the cross. I want us to take time today to look at the miraculous that was in the power of the cross and what it means to you and to me. I love this quote by Oswald Chambers, and it says this, all of heaven is interested in the cross of Christ, hell afraid of it, while men are the only ones to ignore its meaning. And unfortunately, that is really, really true. If we're not careful, we can become really used to the cross. If if we're not careful, the cross, the Calvary, the, the sacrifice that Christ made on a cross, we become used to, we become numb to, and Oswald Chamber, Chamber couldn't be any more right while men are the only ones to ignore its meaning. And so today I want us to take time to look at what does the cross mean for you and for me? What does the cross mean? What are the lessons we can take? What's the miracles that the cross, what's the lesson, the miraculous that the cross points us to? And the first thing I want us to understand, and really the first lesson I want us to understand is this. About the cross, it, it says this, it's not about your performance, but about Jesus' sacrifice. The cross says this, it's not about your performance, but it's about Jesus' sacrifice. When I was going into my senior year of high school, I had the privilege of taking a trip, a missions trip to Russia. And we were some of the first U.S. teenagers that um, we went to a city called Tumen, Siberia, a tiny, tiny city in Siberia. And I mean, I think most of those people had never seen a teenager from the United States. And so we were on the streets and we were talking to different people. And I remember while I was on the streets, I was talking to this um, elderly lady who was walking and she was asking what we were doing there. And I told her what we were doing. And we were there to do a kids camp and a youth camp and who we were. And I started asking her about her faith and I started asking her about God and about Jesus and if she knew who Jesus was and if she knew God loved her and she said this and as a a junior getting ready to be a senior in high school it has stuck with me still at age 43 she said I love God I just don't know if God could love me I love God but I just don't know if God could love me And the reality for a lot of us is this. A lot of us, we feel that way. While you're at home, man, we think, oh, oh, you know what? I haven't been good enough. I haven't performed well enough. I haven't behaved well enough. And man, why I would like my life to change and why I I really love God. You are just like this lady that I met in Tumen, Siberia. You're just not sure if God could love you. For others of you, it's about you don't think you have performed well enough. You haven't behaved well enough. You haven't 
earned his love. You haven't earned his affirmation. You haven't earned the relationship that he wants to have for you. And it's all about behavior and it's all about performance. And if I was to be really transparent, which if you know me, that's the only way I know to be. If I'm to be real transparent, this is something I still struggle with. I struggle with being all about my performance. How have I behaved? How have I, con- if, 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 if I go to play golf one day, well, then God's not going to bless Sundays. If I, if I go to have fun, if I go watch a movie, then God isn't going to bless what I'm doing on Sunday because I should be working harder and I should be crafting the sermon better. And, and, and it's wrong theology. I know it. It's a wrong thought. I know it. But this is the way, in some ways, that I was raised, that if you messed up, you're going to jail, you're going to hell, there's no forgiveness, and you have to ask for forgiveness every single time you sin, and there's no grace, and there's no no mercy. It's about performance. Performance. Are you good enough? Are you good enough? Are you good enough? And hear me today, man, it's exhausting. And some of you, you're at home and you're exhausted because you think your relationship is all about how you've been performing lately. Some of you, you've never even dived into a relationship with Jesus Christ because you don't think you're worthy of it. And you don't think he would ever accept you because of the way you are conducting yourself. But check out what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. It says this, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Let's stop It says for us sinners. It doesn't say for us that we're behaving well. It doesn't say for us that we're earning it. It doesn't say for us that knew all the right theology, knew all the biblical passages, we're reading our Bible every day, praying every day, doing everything that we should, crossing our T's and dotting our I's. No, no, no. It simply says that Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God, and I love that phrase, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Here's what I want you to understand. You that are watching, you that think it's all about your performance, you that thinks it's all about how you've been conducting yourself, hear me in the miracle of the cross tells us this, it's not about what you have or haven't done, it's about what Jesus Christ has done. It is about what Jesus Christ, the price that he paid on a cross, that is way bigger than what you have done and how you have conducted yourself. And it leads us to the second lesson that the cross tells us, and it's this, there is no mess you can make that Jesus can't clean up. There is no mess, the cross tells us, man, there is no mess there's no screw up. There is no mistake. There is no past. There's no, no mess you can make that is so big, that is so outrageous, that is so outlandish, that is so beyond recovery that you can make that Jesus can't clean up. The only mess I know that Jesus won't clean up is the mess you won't admit. Can I tell you, there's a lot of us that that we won't 
admit that there's even a mess. Well, there's nothing wrong with me, Justin. You know, my life's completely falling apart. You're like a guy with no leg. And you're like, no, I got both legs, right? Like you refuse to even admit that you've done anything wrong, that you've made a mistake, that you've screwed up, that you've fallen short, right? And he can't own a mess. Some of us, were so busy blaming others, we're not busy owning the mess. We're not busy owning up to our part of it. And it's like, man, you can't clean up a mess. God won't clean up a mess that you fail to recognize that you need help cleaning up. It's the only mess he can't clean up. The other day, well, the other day, several years ago, my youngest daughter, Chloe, was in our house, and um, she was a lot smaller back then. And she's getting a bowl for some cereal or something, I forget, but I do remember this part of it. She's in the pantry, she's in the cabinets getting a bowl ready for something, and we're like, hey, Chloe, be careful, but we're letting her do it because she needs to end the independence of it. And she's like, I want to do it myself. I want to do it myself. So we're like, knock yourself out, kid. And she's getting a bowl, and all of a sudden she turns, and in the middle of our tile floor, it's right there, boom, she drops the bowl, and glass goes everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And it's the clear glass you can't see. And she drops this bowl, and all of a sudden she looks at me, and I look at her, and I said, don't you move, right? Because she's barefoot and there's no way she can take steps. There's no way she can escape from that situation without harming herself. But I have my tennis shoes on and so I say, don't move. I come into her mess. I come where there's broken glass all around. I'm trying not to step on it. It's hilarious. When there's like glass on the ground, it's like you're in a minefield and you're like, woo. You know, I don't, you're trying not to step in it. And so I get to her and I say, hey, get on my back. We're going to piggyback out of here. And I went into her mess. I got her and I took her to a place where she could be safe. And she wasn't going to hurt herself and she wasn't going to harm herself. And can I tell you what didn't happen? When, when, when I got Chloe to the safe place, I didn't say, how dare you, you stupid little girl. Like, what's wrong? what's wrong with you? How could you break my favorite ball? Like, come on, kid. Like, I, I didn't berate her. I didn't say, you know, you really have a problem being clumsy. Like, can't you, can't you get a grip? Can't you get a grip, kid? Like, like I, that didn't happen. I didn't give her like a five-year strategy of how not to be a bowl dropper all of a sudden. Um, I wasn't trying to give her 21 or irrefutable laws to not bowl dropping. There was, there was none of that. No, you know what? I was just glad she was safe. I was glad she was okay. And I was glad I could help her. And then me and Casey, really Casey, um, but real Casey started cleaning the mess up. It, was it Casey's to clean up? No, probably mine, but it was our responsibility as parents because she's our kid. And can I tell you, you're his kid. You're his child. And the reason the cross is there and the reason the, the big lesson that the cross speaks out and yells and screams is this: there is nothing you can do. There is no mess you can make that he won't rescue you from. And just like I got in the middle of the mess with Chloe, just like I got into the middle of the mess where she's scared and she doesn't know if she's going to get in trouble and she doesn't see a way out without her being hurt, your heavenly father wants to do the same thing, and that's why he sent his son. And it says this in Romans 8, verse 1 through 2. It says, so now there is no condemnation 
for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. It doesn't say he berates you. It doesn't say he, he, he hates you. No, no, no. He sets you free from the power of sin that leads to death. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 through 22 says this, for God in all his faithfulness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He, paid, he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has bought you, brought you into his presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Here is what the lesson and the miracle of the cross says to you and me. It is less about your mess and more about his solution. It is less about your mess and more about his solution. Man, as you're sitting there and you're feeling guilty about your past, it's less about your mess and it's more about your solution. It's less about your guilt and it's more about the blood that was shed on a cross that brought the forgiveness of your sins. Some of you, you can't get past your past, and it feels like Chloe, and you've got glass all around, and you don't know how to get past it. Hear me, it is less about your past, and it's more about the solution of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed, that brings newness, that brings forgiveness, and sets you free from being a captive of your past. It is way less about your past and your mess, and the miracle of the cross, and the lesson to the cross is this. It is way more about the power of God's blood and his forgiveness and the sacrifice that he made on a cross. It is way more about his solution. How big have you screwed up? I mean, how big have you messed up? How guilty do you feel? How long has shame held you hostage? Because hear me, if you're still struggling with shame and guilt and condemnation, and feeling alienated and trying to hide things, you haven't understood the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is way less, way less about what you have done and the message you have made. And it's way more about the solution and the price that Jesus has paid. The third thing that he, the cross tells us is this, is that it was Jesus's choice. I love this. It was Jesus's choice. John 10, 18 talks about, Jesus says, no one takes my life, but I lay it down willingly. I love that. Jesus is telling, he's talking about being the good shepherd and the great shepherd, and he says this, nobody takes my life, but I lay my life down for my sheep willingly. Nobody took his life from him. Nobody made him be crucified. Jesus decided to lay his life down. And in the process, Jesus chose the cross. And here's the beauty of that. When Jesus decided to choose the cross, he was choosing you. 
Man, when Jesus decided to choose the cross, he was choosing me. I think one of the most terrifying things ever growing up as a kid was PE class, especially when there were captains and they were picking teams, right? Like you're in PE, and if you're the new kid, ding, 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 you know you're getting last because nobody knows your athletic ability or inability, which some of you it may have been more so. And so there's no bigger feeling of rejection than being the last kid picked in PE. I mean, the last kid picked. Literally, there were Yes, I've got to stay focused here. But there were a ton of kids. There's no way should have been picked over me. I'm like, no, that's not right. That ain't right. Um, but I remember, I think every kid, if, it was, if I was a PE teacher, first off, I would have a whistle and the tight bike shorts, like, you know what I'm talking about, and the collared yellow shirt um, that all the PE coaches went, and I would have tinted glasses, and it would be fantastic. Um, but um, I, would, I would make every kid experience the joy of being picked first and the terror and embarrassment of being picked last. Um, and I remember being picked last so much. I remember the joy of being picked first. And you were like, for real? I'm like in the top five? Like, it was life-changing. Can I tell you, as awesome as that feeling was when I was picked first for the first time in a PE class, when they didn't make them pick me, man, even more so, man, that's the joy that you should feel to an nth degree that you understand when Jesus chose the cross, he chose you. When Jesus laid himself down, he was choosing you. And he was choosing me. Luke 23, verse 39 through 43. Jesus is on the cross. He is being hung by criminals. And it says this, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffs. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. He's confessing, he's admitting his, his mess, right? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. And I love this story because in a place where he had made his own mess, in a place where he is readily admitting, this is what I deserve, in the place where it's his last moments on earth and in this life, Jesus chooses him. Some good friends, um, in fact, they're our Connect Group leaders, Becky and Kevin Kunkel. They have two daughters, Nikki and Micah, that they adopted not too long ago. And, and we've got some pictures that should be on your screen. And I love the stories and love getting to be at a place where a family adopts children. It is, it is one of the, the absolute most fun, most joyous moments I've ever been a part of. And I was thrilled and privileged enough to get to be there for this day when Kevin and Becky got to adopt Nikki and Micah. And what I love about this is simply this. I don't know if there's anything more biblical than adoption. 
And, and, and what I mean by that is because you had two little girls, Nikki and Micah, who needed a family. They needed someone to love them. They needed someone to provide for them. They needed someone to be a mom and a dad for them, someone to, to protect them, someone to invest in them, someone just to, to, to let them be their family. And what I love is this, is that Kevin and Becky chose Nikki and Micah. And they chose them to be family. They chose them to be their kids, to be with them forever. And that same picture is exactly the cross of Christ for you and for me. Some of you, maybe, maybe you're in need. Can I tell you? Jesus chose you. You need love. Jesus chose you. You needed forgiveness. Jesus chose you. You were alone. Jesus chose you. You made a mess. Jesus chose you. You did something stupid. Jesus chose you. You have a past and a lot of regret. Jesus chooses you. You were careless. Jesus chose you. You didn't deserve a second chance. Jesus chose you. You felt overlooked. Jesus chose you. You were lost. Hear me today. Jesus still chooses you. And when he lay his life down on a cross and when he decided that no man takes my life but I lay it down willingly that phrase that moment Jesus was choosing you so today where you're at with what you're struggling with whether it's a past whether it's a present I mean whether it's a performance trying to be good enough and you're never gonna get there maybe it's a, it's just about just struggling with your mess Hear me. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he's done. There's no mess that he can't clean up. And he chooses you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, I thank you for choosing us. God, I thank you for the lessons and the miracles that come from the cross. And God, I pray that right where we're at today, Lord, maybe some of us, we're having a hard time just feeling worthy. God, we're never going to be worthy. Or some of us, maybe it's about we're trying to earn it, we're trying to be good enough, we're trying to perform, and God, I just pray, break down that thinking Break down that theology in our life. Help us to stop trying to earn our salvation and to manipulate your hand and your blessing and your favor and let us realize, man, we're your kids and you're just giving it and you want us and you're crazy about us. Lord, I pray for some of us that, Lord, it's about our past. It's about our mess and, Lord, it's, it's almost like we don't know how we recover from this. God, I pray that people would awaken to hope today. They would awaken to the power of the cross today. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us today. And the Lord, it's more about the solution than our past it's more about the solution of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ that it brings to our life than our regret. 
So, Lord, I pray today that our hearts and our minds would be reminded of this, that Calvary showed us once and for all. The cross showed us once and for all that despite it all, despite our faults, despite our messes, our screw-ups, the things that we hide, the things that we admit, God, you chose us. And you still choose us. So, God, I pray that we just would lean into that miracle that's available to every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Today, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed at home, today, if you're not where you should be in your relationship with Jesus Christ, we want to give you a chance to change that. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all our unrighteousness. And for some of you, maybe it's been that you haven't confessed your mess. Maybe it's just that you don't know if God is capable of cleaning up the mess that you have made. Today, I just want to invite you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. For some of you, maybe it's about coming home. Maybe for some, it's about a first-time decision. But today I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, at the end of three, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm just going to ask you that you would repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. One, two, three. Jesus, I come before you today. And God, I confess that I've messed up. I confess that I've sinned. But Lord, I need your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.